Let's go ahead and open your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the very last few words of verse 18, and we're going to go through verses 26, the very last few words of 18 through 26 of Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to start off with this question. What's your purpose? What is your purpose? In case you're wondering, the definition of the word purpose is the reason for which something exists. This is one of those profound life questions that we ask ourselves, and as we ask ourselves this question, it's it's real clarifying if we can figure it out, but sometimes it's really hard to figure out what our purpose in life is. Sometimes we may think that our purpose in life is to be married, to have children, to build a family. That's our main objective, our main purpose, the reason for which we exist to continue the human race. We may think sometimes that our main purpose is a vocation, it's a job, it's a career, it's something that we want to do. We're really passionate about it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we may think that the main purpose in life is that occupation, that job. And what we see here in Philippians chapter 1, verses 18, going through verse 26 is that Paul lays out for you his main purpose. His main purpose in life, he tells us very clearly in that verse we quote frequently where he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that's not a death wish. It's not Paul saying, I really want to die, I really want to commit suicide or something like that. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, for me, my life, my purpose is to live as Christ, But if I die, then I'm actually going to be with Christ. So as I die, that's actually gain. Because his sole purpose, his sole driving ambition in life is so much so to live for Christ that if he actually exits this world, if somebody actually kills him if he's a martyr, then he's going to go and be with the one that he has sought to serve, and that is gain. Is that your purpose? You know, far too frequently we find ourselves taking other things that are good things, that are not wrong things, and elevating those above God so that in actuality it's our purpose and sometimes it's trivial things. Like we can find ourselves so obsessed, especially at a younger age than where I am now, so obsessed with a video game that that video game and beating that video game becomes a life purpose, at least for a few days until you beat it. Can anybody out there relate to that? All right, I'm not the only one. Come on now, be real. Perhaps you've seen somebody that gets involved in some new venture and all of a sudden it's all they talk about. It becomes their thing. Like say, for example, essential oils. Anybody into essential oils? Oh my word. Guys, we got to do better because they're more into essential oils than we were video games and that's a problem. I'm just saying. My, my wife loves essential oils. I call them snake oil. I think they used to have them on the wagons way back in the days. Don't send me emails. I don't care if you like essential oils. Have fun with it. That's great. But if you talk about essential oils more than you talk about Jesus, that's a problem. If you are known for essential oils, that's an issue, Right? What about politics? It is a political season. It is a time when we are looking out and everybody's got their comments that they want to make on this or that or the other. Everybody has their agenda for society. If we are more known for our political ideology or more known for our political allegiances than we are for being for Christ and for the gospel, that's a problem. If we pick a social agenda and that social agenda takes precedence over Christ so that it is our one sole purpose in life, 
That's a problem. So what's your purpose? In our text today, what we're going to see, chapter 1, verses 18, he says, remember he ended that last section, also in verse 18, within that I rejoice. When Christ is preached, in that I rejoice. And now he's going to continue with this duplicate phrase here, yes, and I will rejoice. And as we read this text, you're going to see he shifts from present tense to future tense. He starts talking about the future, what's going to happen. I will rejoice in the future. He also uses the word I know twice, and that word I know is going to form the two points that we're going to have as we walk through this. And so as we walk through this, you're going to see the I know in verse 19. You're going to see the I know again in verse 25. And so we're going to see that the main point of this text is to honor Christ in life and in death. And he's going to say that. He's going to say, it's my eager expectation and hope. That with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Can you say that this morning? Can we say that? Recognizing that every morning our sin nature pulls against that. Can we say that, Lord, whether I live or whether I die, I want you to be honored in my body. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. If I'm going to remain, it's going to be about ministry for you. So that I live for Christ. If I die, I die for Christ. I die well. I don't waste those circumstances around whatever the death may be. You're going to see the two points that I have for us this morning. Joy in salvation. I'll break that down for you. And then joy in service. Those come off of the two I knows. We'll see that as we walk through it. Let's read our text. Our text in First Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, the latter portion. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live on in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Dear Lord, as we look at your word, would you just help us to catch a glimpse of the main idea? Lord, would you help us to catch a glimpse of what that might look like in my life and in their lives? Lord, would you help tie me and my words to your text so that we may understand more about what your word would say to us? Lord, speak to us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, point number one, joy in salvation. Here's what our text tells us. It moves to the future tense. It says, yes, and I will rejoice in the future. And it says, for I know that through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, there's a lot here. We don't have time to walk through it all. I'll mention a few things to you. It is that I will rejoice 
Can you look out in the uncertainty of COVID-19? Can you look out in all this happening? Remember, Paul's in jail. He's on trial. He could end up dead. He could end up being freed. Church history and all says he was actually freed from this imprisonment. It was a second imprisonment where perhaps he was, he was killed at that point in time. That's where he's writing First and Second Timothy, things of that nature. And so here he's looking forward and he's saying, I have hope. I'm going to rejoice. Can we look out and say that we're going to have hope and that we're going to rejoice even in the midst of uncertainty? He says, I know through your prayers. God uses your prayers along with the Spirit of Jesus, the help of the Spirit of Jesus. Now, that's the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, sometimes referred to as the Spirit of Jesus, he says, this will turn out for my deliverance. Excuse me. The word deliverance is the word soteria. The word soteria in the Greek, this should give you a clue here. When we study the doctrine of salvation, we study soteriology. So this word that's translated deliverance here can have a different meaning. Paul could be saying to us, I know that I'm going to be released from prison. We, we know that that happened in church history, but that's probably not likely. Because Paul goes on in this text to talk about the fact that whether I'm going to die or whether I'm going to live, I don't know, I'm hard-pressed between the two. If I'm going to live, that's going to mean fruitful labor for me. He's not sure what's going to happen. So there's probably a broader meaning of this word deliverance here that, that if you're not looking at the Greek, you may not understand that he's saying here, soteria, salvation. For I know that this will work out for my salvation. This is the exact same phrase that's used in the book of Job. In the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, in Job chapter 13, verse 16, this is right after Job says, even though he slay me, I will still praise him. And then he says, this will work out for my salvation. It's the exact same phrase in the Greek version of the Old Testament. So what Paul is saying here is he's saying, even if you kill me, I'm going to be saved because I'm going to go and be with Christ, and that is far better. But if you deliver me out of prison, then that's going to be fruitful ministry for me. So how is it that Paul, in the midst of horrible circumstances, is able to rejoice? It's because he looks out and he says, this is going to result in my salvation. This is going to result in my deliverance. I have already been declared righteous. I have already been justified. Whatever you do to me on this earth, either I'm delivered on this earth or I'm delivered into the hands of my Savior. And so I can rejoice because this life is not my home. This earth is not my home. This is not all there is. It's not a death wish. It's just a recognition that for me, I want to live my life for Christ. And if my life ends, so be it. I go to be with the one that I love and worship. If that's your understanding, mission, and purpose, and even in the midst of COVID-19, even in the midst of a culture full of chaos, we can rejoice because we know the true God. And after this is over, we're going to go be with him and enjoy him forever. I know. That through your prayers, through the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, for my salvation. So Paul has joy in his salvation. He says it is his eager expectation. That word, eager expectation. It's like extending the neck so that you can see. It's like when you were the, the, the little child and somebody was doing something fun up front, and you had to peer up. You had to strain your neck. You had to look forward. It's like perhaps when something cool is going on, and there's a big crowd, and you're in the back, and you can't see. So you take your hands, and you put them on the shoulders of the person in front of you, and you raise yourself up. You extend your neck, and you say, I, I want to see. That's the eager 
expectation. Paul later is going to use those words of the runner that is extending out his life, that is extending out his body, reaching for that finish line, pressing towards. It's that extension of the neck. Here he has that eager expectation and he has hope. Now this hope is not a hope like we speak of today in a cavalier fashion. It's not a hope that says, I hope it doesn't rain so we can have chapel outside. It's not a hope that says, I hope the line at Chick-fil-A is not too long so I can get another milkshake. It's not a hope that is a flippant hope. Our hope in the word of God is based on the fact that God is a sovereign God. That God already knows the future. That God controls the future. And Paul is saying here, it's my eager earthly human expectation and it's my biblical hope that I will not be at all ashamed now take note here why does Paul write this I spent time thinking about this this week Paul's writing that it's his eager hope it's his eager expectation and his hope that he won't be ashamed but that with full courage that word courage talking about how he talks how he's going to present well perhaps when he's on trial how he's going to present the gospel Do you think Paul may have been worried that he wouldn't do it with full courage? I don't know. But I know I have those thoughts. I have those thoughts that when I wake up at times, am I going to be bold for the gospel? Am I going to stand in the face of persecution? When people say things, when people do things, is it going to cause me to back down? Am I going to be timid? I know. I know in my head that this life is not all there is. I know that there is a Christ that came to this earth and died for me on a cross and humbled himself and humiliated himself and got up from the grave and ascended and he's coming back. And I know that my mission and purpose in this life is to live for him. But there's a fear that sometimes in the moment I won't do it in the way that I should do it. And Paul here is praying. He's he's writing out to them. It's my eager expectation and it's my hope that with full courage, that I'm going to live my life for Christ with full courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Is that the way you live your life? It's real easy in the moment to do things in the flesh, to do things in our sinful nature, to do things through temptation that don't honor Christ in our body. Here, this is what he says. And in verse 21, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What's your purpose? You know, God has given each one of you a God-given talent, many talents for some of you, for most of you. And God has given you passions. And you are here at Cedarville, and hopefully you have aligned those passions and those talents. Hopefully you have taken what God has given you and talents and you have said, that's also my passion. I have found an area where it lines up. And then you're going to take those talents and those passions and you're going to develop them so you can go out and use them for the glory of God. Now, here's the problem sometimes. Sometimes we buy into this thing that this verse, for me to live as Christ, is only for the musicians who sing about Jesus or the preachers who preach about Jesus or for the missionaries who go tell others about Jesus and that everybody else, well, we just do a secular job. What is a secular job anyway? 
I praise the Lord and I thank the Lord that he calls some to be pastors and some to be musicians and some to be missionaries and some to be youth workers. But don't you ever let anybody tell you that your work is a second class Christian citizen. Whatever it is that you're called to, God has given you those passions. Use them for his glory. He's given you those gifts. Use them for his glory. Wherever God sends you, you are a missionary to that area, to that region for the glory of God. That is your purpose. That is your mission. You are to be on mission for Christ. If you are a school teacher, you are to be a missionary in that public or private school teaching for Christ. If you're a stay-at-home mom, your family and your children, the way you minister to them is a missionary for Christ. If you're going to be overseas doing something, you can be an overseas vocational whatever and a missionary for Jesus Christ. Do you understand there is no divide between the sacred and the secular that God has called us us all to use our gifts for his glory? And that's what it means for me to live as Christ. I may be a pharmacist. I may be a nurse. I may be a teacher. I may be an athlete. I may do any number of things. But I do all of those under the banner for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul says, if I'm going to be in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me his purpose. I'm going to live for Christ. That means I love others. I love God. I love others. It's fruitful labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. It's not really Paul's choice here, but he's talking as though, you know, if I had to choose, I don't know what I would choose here. I'm hard pressed between the two. He says his desire is to depart and be with Christ. Now there's an important theological point here. If it's to depart and be with Christ, and there is no such thing as soul sleep, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Paul says that in another location. Here he says, if I depart, if I depart the body, I'm going to be with Christ. We see it. It's far better. That far better is actually a triple comparative. That's like saying it's far more better. It's, it's like, you know, you have good, better, best It's like bestest. It's grammatically incorrect if we were to do it in our English. It's like far better of the best. It's like it's the most best. It's a triple comparative. That's what it's all about. And then he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. That leads to our second point. He takes joy in his salvation. He also takes joy in his service. So if it's better for me to remain for your account, then convinced of this, It's almost like he's writing out his thoughts and he's changing his mind even as he writes his thoughts. Convinced that it's actually better for me to remain for you. Convinced of this, then I know the knowledge that I will remain and continue with you all. Why is he going to continue with you all? For your progress. That word progress is the same word used previously when he says, I want you to know that about the advance of the gospel, the gospel advancement. That advance and that word progress, the same thing. The gospel's advancing. And it's advancing in the heart of the Philippians as well. I want to continue for your progress and for your joy. And may I say to you that too many times I think I see Christians who are just depressed about being a Christian. They never smile. They never have joy. They never have fun. And I want to say to you here, he's saying that your progress and your joy in the faith. We should of all people have joy. We should love living life. We have the freedom to live for Christ, to have fun, to not feel guilty about the ways we have fun, to love one another with genuine humility and love for others. We have the ability to live a life at a different level than most people. You should take great joy in your faith. Reading your Bible should comfort your heart, excite your spirit. Gathering with others to sing praises to God. 
for your progress and your joy in the faith. Paul says, so that in him, you may have ample cause, here's your ultimate goal, to glory in Christ Jesus because of his coming to you again. Now, this is not an arrogant statement on Paul's part. He's saying, you're going to give glory to God because I'm no longer in prison. I've come to you again. And because I'm there with you, we're going to love one another. We're going to reunite and we're going to give praise and glory ultimately to Jesus. Some application thoughts for you. Perhaps you have grown up in an environment where you have heard or where you have thought that Christianity is something that you do on Sunday. And then you leave that on Sunday and you do everything else Monday through Saturday. I want to make sure that you understand there is no such thing as a sacred secular divide. The faith that we have and we celebrate on Sunday in the local church is the faith that we live out on Monday through Friday and Saturday all through the week. It's our faith. It's why for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. You, you can't be a hypocrite. You can't be two separate people and call yourself a Christian and live a joyful Christian life. You live your life for Christ. When you go to work, you're going to places that a preacher will never go to. You have the opportunity in everyday jobs or as you start your own businesses or as you're an entrepreneur or as you do any number of vocations that you may be pursuing, you have the opportunity to influence others by living your life for Christ, by doing it with excellence. You have the opportunity then to impact lives that the professional professional preachers or missionaries or singers won't have the opportunity to encounter. Consider your life being on mission for God in every single vocation that all of you may consider. You're serving God. You're serving others. We also need to consider our lives as a stewardship, not an ownership. Now, this is where it gets hard because I like to own my life. I like to, to be the one in charge. I like to tell everybody exactly what I'm going to do with my life. I wake up in the morning and I think I have control of my life and I have to get in the Word and remind myself that I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. And there's a difference between a steward and an owner. A steward has to give it back. A steward has to give an account of how it's used. An owner doesn't. Our lives are stewardship given to us by God and we will one day give account to God for how we use those lives here on earth. And then we should seek to serve others. We should seek to serve God and others in everything we do. Paul here said it's more necessary for your account that I continue with you all. Convinced of this, I know that I will continue with you for your progress and your joy. He was seeking to serve others. He didn't say, it's going to be good for me. I'm going to get some benefit of this life. I'm going to have comforts or I'm going to have riches. He said, I'm going to continue because I can seek to serve others. Cedarville, let's be a group of believers that seeks to serve God. We don't just serve when we're asked. We seek out opportunities to serve God and to serve others and to minister to others. Let us be a group that every day we wake up and say, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Dear God, this is a hard passage to live out. So would you help us today and tomorrow and the next day to do our best, Lord, to live out these truths. Lord, would you help us to live lives on mission for you, to love you and to serve you well? Not for our glory, Lord, but for yours alone. Lord, would you help us to honor you in our bodies, whether by life or by death? And help us to take joy, God, in your salvation and joy in service to others. 
For Jesus' name and in his name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.